Hello, beautiful people. Today I have an incredible conversation with Nina Petruzzo, embodiment mentor, guiding female entrepreneurs into their bodies, hearts, and radiance. Nina also works with men, which we so wonderfully discuss about in this conversation. I honor Nina's vulnerability, and I would also like to acknowledge that the sound quality is not the best. My Wi-Fi is a little bit wonky, and I'm working on it. Thank you so much. I'm going to get right into it. Enjoy, beautiful people. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about what you do, Nina. I'm so excited to have you on Beautiful People Podcast. What inspired you to be a facilitator for the woman embodiment movement that is so clearly happening in the world today? Mm, Yeah, so many things. Um, My own journey definitely inspired me to come to a place now that I am very inspired to support and empower other women in their bodies. Um, But I can kind of trace back, you know, a little over a decade ago when I was in college, I went to school and got my master's as an occupational therapist and occupational therapy. um, That degree itself, you go through a lot of schooling and education around anatomy and physiology and psychology and development and neurology and Um, we go very deep into the body and especially from a psychological standpoint. And I was a ballet dancer for years of my life. So I spent a lot of time in my body, but also very disconnected from my body and very much living in my head for much of my life. And, you know, being a type A people pleaser, perfectionist, all the things. Um, But in my schooling, I started to have this deeper understanding of the body and I loved anatomy And then when I graduated with my master's, I began more clinically working as a therapist. And then I found yoga when I was like 21 and I got on a yoga mat and it was the first time I feel I really landed home in my body. I just remember my first class. I, it was a class with one of my dearest teachers that I admired and just have loved for the past decade. But she was very much the embodiment of like this woman, a divine feminine. And I was like, who is this? She moves in a way that was just so sensual and so at home in herself. And I just had never had a model like that in my life. And her flows just brought me deeper and deeper into my body. And and I started recognizing and noticing a lot of my own patterns and conditioning that I was holding on to. And it wasn't from like my head, you know, all the things that I would spin through my mind, I could really start to notice like patterns going on in my body. And I just started getting really curious about, okay, I think that there is a lot stored here, not just up here. And I need to start to figure out how to integrate my head and my heart and really coming into a deep relationship. So yoga had led me down the path of becoming a yoga teacher and I did thousands of hours of yoga teacher training. I taught yoga for almost 10 years. And then it's really just been in the past couple of years because my yoga training was very based in the body, very, I did a lot of training on somatics and subtle body work. And then it was in the past couple of years that I started working with a somatic, um, somatic therapist here in Colorado. And she just has changed my life. I, we began inner child healing and really deep patterning and, and observing the body in a way that I hadn't observed it before, even though I was very in tune with my body by this time. And I just started getting even more curious and she began mentoring me. And I just started recognizing 
this is more of the work I need to go deeper into with the women I was starting to attract very naturally in my coaching business, doing a lot of, again, helping women move through transitions in their life and doing a lot of breath work and mindfulness and meditation and embodiment practices. But my therapist really kind of brought me into the next layer of, whoa, okay, it's time for you to, to go deeper into the somatics through yourself first and then start bringing this to your clients and doing this work with other people. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like there was a shedding of your old self or was it a gradual change that felt very natural? Mm -hmm. You know, it's so funny. I was just writing a post about this um, similar to this. Mm -hmm. I feel it was a gradual shedding. Um, A lot of things happened in my twenties. I'm now 32, but in my twenties, I, met a lot of things to myself. Again, after years of striving and being a perfectionist and people pleasing, I got really sick with gut health issues in my mid twenties after going off birth control and looking in hindsight. Now, I think a lot of those gut health issues were very much related to me suppressing emotions and feelings for most of my life and trying to just meet the expectations of everyone else and not actually connecting to my body and what I wanted and really speaking my truth for probably 25 years. Um, And that started to unravel through yoga and then getting really sick. And then in my late twenties, right in the middle of my Saturn return, I was in a really toxic relationship and um, I got pregnant and I ended up getting an abortion. And it was probably that experience that brought me into the depths of having to feel and be in my body in a way that I had never experienced in my life because I met so many layers of pain and emotions and grief and sadness and sorrow, stuff I think I'd been carrying for years, also carrying ancestrally through my maternal line, having mental illness very prominent in my maternal line. I met a lot of that during that experience and that experience really shifted me. I could not turn away from my body because I was physically going through so much in my body during that time. And that was kind of a huge catalyst moment of this is, you got to honor this vessel. This is where the wisdom lives and you need to be here and start really nurturing this channel right here in your body. Did you have any support during the abortion? I, I feel fortunate. I did. I was already see, I was working with the psychotherapist for the pr- year prior going through this relationship. So I had her support. I also had a few very close girlfriends that I was able to share um, about it. I didn't know anyone close to me that had had an abortion. So I did still feel kind of isolated to a degree and, and very confused. And then I actually was when I I was living with my family at the time, this was major transit in my life, but I was living with my mom and dad and I finally broke down um, kind of, you know, a few weeks in and I told my mom and I was bawling and crying because I was so confused about what to do. And she had actually disclosed to me her her story that she had an abortion before she had me because she's yeah, she's bipolar. So she was very manic before and she was manic even when I was in her womb. And that's a whole nother thing about my own inner child healing. But she had an abortion before she had me because she was in a manic state. So when she shared that with me, it was like a huge lift. And 
I received a lot of support from her and my dad, which I'm extremely grateful for because I don't think even in miscarriage, we're not really supported and are allowing ourselves to grieve whatever kind of pregnancy loss we go through. And for me, that experience was a deep catalyst, a huge yeah, turning point in my life. And I did have support and I use my story now, you know, I shared it a couple of years ago after I had processed a couple of years of going through all of that grief. Um, I shared it with the intention that it would help at least even one woman reading my story to let her know she's not so alone. Yeah. I really honor you for sharing that because I feel like it's something that is impossible to understand until you go through it, but I can't even imagine the grief and loss that is felt no matter what. And I really honor those feelings that you went through and are able to now help other women manage with your support. What did you learn about yourself in the relationship? Mm, In um, in that particular relationship, the toxic relationship. Mm, Yeah. So I had a pattern of attracting in, and none of these men were bad. And I was very much living out of my old conditioning of people pleasing for a long time, but I attracted a lot of men that had a lot of anger issues and, um, addiction and alcohol for alcoholism, um, in a couple of my most significant relationships, which I, which I've observed is a very interesting pattern that I was meeting people who, again, could have these unexpected, unpredictable emotions where I was, you know, 28, 29, when I had to go deeper into my body, I would shut down and withdraw and really turn away from difficult emotions. I would like walk on eggshells again, trying to meet everyone else's expectation and manage my own behaviors so that I could manage their behavior. So I wasn't living authentically for a very long time in my life. Um, and in those relationships, I got pushed deeper and deeper and deeper into my strength into you know, honoring who I was because I, you know, had to stand for myself and not allow myself to ultimately be abused and, um, you know, verbally and physically abused in some of these relationships. So I had to honor myself at some point and I'm grateful for those relationships. And there was so much growth that happened for both me, myself and their partner in those relationships. That's been beautiful. And I have very good relation with, with both of those people now, but it was a deep time of my own learning of how to honor myself and how to stand for myself and how to create boundaries and to, again, not try to please everyone else around me and know and recognize when I was in harmful situations and to not stay in them, um, past their expiration date, which was very much what I did because, I was always afraid of my big wound has been being abandoned and I'm terrified of being abandoned. And I would hold on to these relationships because I was so afraid of finding love within myself. I very much was seeking it externally. And that's a lot of what those relationships were for me for a long time. So for people listening that are finding it hard to detach from relationships that no longer serve them because they're scared to be alone. What are some baby steps that they can take to 
navigate themselves out of the situation. And I'm just going to say that I'm single right now and I've been single for two years, super, super working on myself. But there have been so many nights of loneliness where I literally just have to hug myself and say, I love you. Because there is nothing else that Mm -hmm. I can feel more strongly other than just pure loneliness. Man, I know these are the things I wish I had asked myself when I was in my early to mid 20s because it did. It, it took me until that Saturn return time to really come into my relationship with myself. And I feel for me, that was the first step was really starting to honor my body, really celebrating myself, who I was again in small ways. Have, I've always been someone who's been pretty independent. Like I like to have alone time, um, but also I was very much seeking codependent relationships for a long time. So when those relationships dissolved, I did, I, I stepped into being single as well. And I recognized during that time, okay, I need to be my own anchor. I need to find this love in me because I can't depend on it outside of me. It's That's fleeting. We're not ever gonna find it you know, outside of us, we have to start recognizing that love exists within us. And it was doing the smallest things. I love that you said, you know, hugging yourself in bed. I would do a lot of that, like just a lot of self-touch, um, mirror work, like standing in the mirror and just looking at myself and telling myself, I choose you. I love you. And that was really hard to stand in front of a mirror and say that to yourself. There's so much that unravels, but it was those really small practices and then starting to, really just find what I was passionate about. And I was lucky at the time to be so passionate about yoga. So I was very involved in different communities with yoga and had met so many great friends that I felt like I could be totally myself and love for it and all of my layers. Um, But again, that my deepest relationships have really um, come from, and I can recognize this, as I started loving myself more deeply, I started attracting in especially friendships, people that could be with me for all of who I was. And I could be really authentic, but that took me trusting myself in all of who I am. So yeah, those just small acts of self-love every day, taking myself on little dates and walks and having just a lot of gratitude in my life too, was really huge for me. Just, I started a gratitude journal around that time and just at night, writing down like three things I was deeply grateful for, you know, those nights that I was alone and just to recognize in my day, how much beauty is always around me and starting to really honor and recognize that. Yeah. I find it so fascinating too. There's, we're humans and we're in this body, but then there's something deeper that I would say could be a soul connection. And I feel like the deeper we're able to connect to ourselves and to our soul, the less we have to explain ourselves to people. It just kind of exists and your presence makes sense. It's not questionable because there's projecting. And I've noticed that the more that I've connected deeper to myself and to my truth, that I'm around less people that project because they are being at the same level that I'm being. Absolutely. Yeah. That whole shift totally happens. I feel, yeah, the more we honor ourselves and respect ourselves and love ourselves and accept ourselves, we attract in 
those around us that are also doing the same for themselves. And then we get to be in those more fulfilling, elevated, supported relationships, a hundred percent. Yeah. Going back to feminine embodiment, do you work with the feminine and masculine energies and have you had to understand and work with them within your own life? and see how maybe one serves you at one time and doesn't serve you at another? Yes, absolutely. And this has been, yeah, the newer evolution of my work really just over the past year and a half as I've really started my own business. I really had to start understanding how to integrate the feminine and masculine because when you own a business, you integrate both. And for a long time, to, you know, to be more, you have to do more and to strive and to achieve and do this and keep going and blah, 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 all these things, which for me led to ultimately my mid twenties, like burnout, depletion, illness. And I had to pull back and pause by continuing yoga. And through that shift, I then started to really lean back and drop into that feminine energy of being more supported, more receptive, um, slowing down, really starting to pay more deep attention to myself, honoring my creativity in a new way. And now in the past couple of years in owning my business, I've had to learn how to integrate both of those energies and really honor disempowered masculine being someone who's like powering over, hustling, like going, like just for themselves. And then our disempowered feminine who is, you know, um, insecure, you know, and even a martyr trying to take care of everyone else still not honoring her own needs. It's been understanding, you know, that sacred masculine is like the cup that gets to hold the fluidity of my feminine to then flow and overflow into my life and, and share deeper love and compassion, but she has to be nurtured and she needs some structure and I need boundaries in my life and my relationships. And that's masculine, you know, creating boundaries, creating structure, creating, um, you know, um, more systems in my life so that then my feminine energy, my creative energy, my, um, love my, you know, the beauty that I have to offer can flow more channeled and freely. It's like, I like the cup analogy. And I also like thinking of, you know, like a river, like the masculine is like, you know, the channels of the river, like the bed in the feminine is what gets to flow through, but we need both. We need structure and then the, the ease, the fluidity. Mm-hmm. So that's really cool that you also work with men and are they more focused on connecting yeah. to their hearts? Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, when they, it's just funny. I, I've worked with, they've actually been my longest standing clients. The two men that I work with, I've worked with for over a year, which has wow. been so amazing. Yeah. And um, they're both CEOs of their own large companies. And I don't think they really knew what I, what they were getting into when they started working with me. It first started by having pain in their body. So they found me through yoga. So in myself, that's how I came into my body was just noticing sensation and starting to notice, Oh, there's pain. Maybe I should do something about that. So that's what they initially came to me for. And then as I evolved and our work evolved, we do now go so deep into, you know, I actually talked to them probably the deepest out of anyone about emotions and about how to feel our emotions and be attuned to sensations in our body and how we find this balance of 
work and also nurturing ourselves and not getting burned out. So how we honor again, the masculine and feminine in our everyday life and in our relationships. And it's been so cool to witness both of them who um, are pretty masculine men start to really soften with themselves and have more grace for themselves and more compassion and love for themselves. And from that place, they've achieved more success in their life. They've, they've achieved more health, more vitality, more um, ease, like less stress, less burnout. Cause they both had been pretty sick when I first started working with them. And it's just amazing to witness men really like having this subconscious curiosity about feminine energy and how to, you know, they know that they feel, but they, they haven't been safe either to express their feelings. This is a huge problem in our society is that men and women, we haven't been safe to express emotions, right? It's like men are suck it up and women. If you're emotional, you're crazy. And that's Mm -hmm. been very much our dialogue throughout our cultural system here. And my part of my mission is really to dismantle that and to give permission around feeling and how we can create safety in our bodies to feel and how important it is for us to feel and to move energy through our body. So it doesn't get sucked down and suppressed and then causes illness and disharmony in our life and our relationships. Yeah. It's so interesting how society is structured to make us suppress our emotions and then numb out with so many different substances. It's, it's like you close the door to the soul and the abilities that you have to just flourish as a human. It's so confusing that it does that. I'm in Sedona, Arizona, and I recently did an ecstatic dance. So it's like, so sober, everyone is sober, dancing, just connecting so deeply to their bodies. It has nothing to do with an ego trip, you know, because usually at bars when you're dancing, it's all about like mating humans, staring at other humans, but this was so pure. And it just made me question so much about I mean, I'm positive and negative, about. I'm very positive, but then I also sometimes feel a little bit disappointed that not everyone can be raised with this lifestyle, but I guess you seek it out when you need it, your subconscious knowledge. Totally, totally. And I think the world is shifting so much and kids, how to be in their bodies, that it's safe for them to feel and recognizing when sadness comes up or anger, like, where is that in my body to have them start to recognize their cues. And then I was realizing like, I need to do this for myself and I need to do this with my yoga students and my clients now. And it's just fascinating to see how it's evolved because kids are so wise. They, especially if they're in an environment that's, and this isn't, hasn't totally changed over yet, but if they're in an environment where they are safe to express, it's like kids know how to do it. They have the temper tantrum. They smash what they need to do. They cry, they let it out. And then they exhale and they're like, okay, time to go on the swing set. And it's like, you know, if we all knew how to do that as humans and access that range to let it actually move and flow and then be released in our body, 
we would have a different world. And I dance every day. That's part of how I get into my body and feel. And I do another practice called swamping. Um, If I'm feeling heavier emotions, I'll take myself feeling anger and then grief and sadness. And then it's like this whole thing I'll, I'll go through and it's so powerful. And I'm like, gosh, I wish I had known how to feel my anger, especially because that's a big one that I've dealt with in my life. I wish I knew how to express that safely when I was younger and to not have stuffed it down for so long because it caused so much imbalance in my life for so many years. Mm -hmm. I honor your work so much, Nina. How can people find you? Instagram, Facebook, but also what is your favorite book? Oh my gosh, that is a hard one. I read like five books at a time. I have a million books. What's your sign? I mean, I gotta shut out. I'm my my sign. Yeah. Um, I'm a Cancer Sun Leo Moon Leo Rising. Okay, cool. I'm just curious because sometimes I've gotten that response before. Like I'm reading seven books at a time, and then they'll say something like, "I'm a Gemini." I don't, I don't really understand. I was just going to say, yeah. oh yeah, the Geminis, they're very curious, Sagittarius and Geminis, they always have their head in a book. Um, oh man, you know, I got to shout out Brené Brown and I would just say like all of Brené Brown's books, probably The Gifts of Imperfection was one of the most life-changing books I'd ever read and just her work in general had really helped me to step into deeper vulnerability with myself and really was such is I can look back now such a catalyst to what I do with other women and my clients um but most recently a really powerful book for me has been Mark Holman's book It Didn't Start With You which is all about inherited family trauma because that's a big part of what I'm moving into with a lot of my work and that book is incredible absolutely incredible. Wow. Thank you. I'm going to definitely add those to my list. How can people find you? Um, Instagram's probably the most fun way I show up there the most, um, in my stories. And I share a lot of education and information and inspiration on Instagram. Um, I'm not as active on Facebook, so that one probably not, not the best. And then my website is just my name, ninapetruzzo.com. And I have all of my offerings and my group programs and my coaching all on, all on my website. Awesome. Thank you, Nina. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate every single ear that I'm communicating with right now. It would mean so much to me if you left a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and a nice little comment that makes a huge difference in the podcast world. Additionally, I'm going to leave a Patreon link in the bio for this episode. All donations welcome. All the information from this episode with Nina Petruzzo will be left in the bio for this episode as well. Have a beautiful day, beautiful people.